Hey everyone, it's Dario Kristen with AfterBuzz TV. Did you know that TrueCar.com is changing car buying experiences forever? Yes, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Although, some features are not available in all states. But it's okay. In the first three months of this year, over 126,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,078 off of MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these easy steps. It's just three of them. First, you go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people pay for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. The third step is so simple. Just print out your true savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience overall. Remember, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save time, save your money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's The Last Ship After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show, it's AfterBuzz TV's The Last Ship After Show. What's up, AfterBuzzers? Welcome to AfterBuzz TV with 27 million weekly downloads. We are your number one source for After Show Network. This is the last ship After Show. It's season one, episode five, El Toro. We've got, I'm Charlotte Broadbent. I'm your host tonight. Bobby is unfortunately out sick. We're excited for him to get back next week. We've got our usual panel though, Marina and Monsi with us. Hello. Hi. Glad and to be back. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you no, off. You're right. I'm just glad to be back. <laughs> I'm just so excited that we have a great guest with us tonight. We have um, Alex Fernandez with us in the studio. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. And I have to say, this is prob- you're the person that I've probably felt most for this whole season. Your character in this episode, it was very heart wrenching. Oh, good. Yeah, we uh, we had a lot of fun doing it, and I spent most of the episode sort of just cowering in a corner. Uh, worrying about my daughters and uh, uh, that makes it good for a nice surprise at the end when I uh, I step in. Yeah. Well, you didn't really have an option, right? Yeah. It was that or they would kill everyone, they would kill your daughters like Karina. Yeah. So you did, you did an amazing job. I was actually shocked. I did not see that coming. I was watching the episode last night after work and usually I watch whatever until I, because I get home at like midnight. So I watch whatever I can and then I rewatch it in the morning. I had set my timer on, and when it turned off, I turned my TV back on. I was like, I need to finish this episode. It's so good that I mm-hmm. didn't even go to sleep when I was supposed to. I was not expecting you, your character, to do that. I thought it was such a good twist. I honestly was like, what are they going to do? Take him back on the boat? There's another problem. I and I thought that right. was going to become a plot. But I loved that you def- had to defend your family like that. I agree. I, I haven't felt for anyone the way I felt for your character, okay. for your family. And it's very, I, I feel like it's very difficult for a minor role to really have that effect on the audience. Because you're, it wasn't one of the main characters, but you definitely held your own in the episode. It was wonderful. I felt for you, and I hope we see you again. And I hope <laughs> yeah. your villagers are great, and I hope you guys are surviving. Everyone in Bokanakaoa is doing well now. So <laughs> yeah. yes. But I, I, I think the editors did a really great job, because sometimes when you have a character like mine, they spend a lot of time watching that character, and you're sort of tipping your hand that this character is going to do something important. And they did a really good job of sort of leaving me in the background, and just as a guy who's being abused by El Toro and... Uh, that allows me to step in at the end and everybody's surprised and so it really you know. did and the fact and i was surprised too but the way that it was done i mean it was your quiet character um Irvin was just somebody that was very reserved you could tell that he was very very scared and that wasn't that was the last thing like you said you expected from mm-hmm. your character how did you feel 
pl- when you got the script and, and you got the um you got the role mentally that must have been pretty challenging to play that role how did you feel well i actually was excited about it because i think that uh it's it's one thing for characters like Eric Dane's character and Adam Baldwin's character to to be these courageous men who this is their job and they fly into the face of danger, but it's a lot more interesting and and the idea of the, of doing something courageous even though you're terrified, mm-hmm. even though you don't have any skills that are necessary to do something about this situation. Um, I think that's what makes it moving is that uh, a human being who is in the worst possible situation is forced to do something heroic for his family and for his people. And I think it's very telling what kind of guy Irvin is, that at the end he could step into the dictator role and instead drops the knife and, and says, now we're going to live uh, the way humans should be living. And I was very excited about that. And the best line of the episode was when Chandler said, now it, this is your village, and, and Irvin said, no, it's ours. It's ours. I was like, amen. That was the best <laughs> ending to that Good. episode that could have possibly happened. I felt, I got shivers. I got shivers right now just saying it because it's such a a great, a great thing to say and a great way to get everybody together. And that's what, at this time, with what's going on, everyone needs to do. Everyone needs to come together, not do what El Toro is doing. And we'll get into that. But by splitting people and t- kind of trying to take the the higher road and think that he is superior to everybody else. Yeah. In any situation, in any situation, uh, people have to stay together if they're going to survive. And mm-hmm. in a situation like that, that's the only way to survive. And El Toro was... Uh, negatively selfishly doing his thing and that kind of implodes on itself but when people work together it kind of expands and i think uh, uh hank steinberg who writes this show as the creator of the show i worked with him on uh, his other show without a trace quite a bit and uh he knows exactly how to uh tug at your heartstrings and make it all very realistic and uh it's a pleasure to work with him so yeah that's that's definitely true. Not to divert from the last ship, but since you brought up Without a Trace, that's interesting because I read an interview where you said that your character in Without a Trace was probably your favorite. This was, interview was about a year ago. Maybe you feel different, yeah. but it's the same writer, the same it's episode. Tr- yeah, that you're in. isn't that funny? That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. So, do you feel like that about this character too? I do love this this guy, Irvin. I was really excited to. We sat down and we sat down mm-hmm. and watched uh, the episode a little bit ago, and uh, um, I was very excited to see how it turned out and. Uh, I love the way Hank writes and uh, the character that he wrote for me on uh, Without a Trace is still, you know, if not the favorite, it's one of the favorites that it's I've up done. There. <laughs> yeah, it's one of them. It's up there. <laughs> so you hadn't seen the episode until you watched it? Yeah. Right now? I hadn't seen the episode until I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> until you saw it about two hours ago? And then when ago? I saw it, I saw it. <laughs> was no, bit? no. I, I, I was going to watch it and then they said that uh, we were going to get together and mm-hmm. watch it. And I said, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to watch it fresh with the. Uh, yeah. Awesome. You so all. glad you did. Wow. So what, Marina, what was some of his reactions while watching? Was he quiet? Well, we just made a few comments. He commented on um, where they shot, which I'll let you explain. Mm-hmm. And it's very exciting because it looked so realistic. You know, it looked like they were in the jungle and yeah. they really weren't, right? Yeah. We were in uh, Arcadia in the Botanical Gardens. Oh, uh, wow. But it really did look like the jungle <laughs> out there. And they had like these ponds with these koi fish and the Eric Dane tried to catch one. You know, not for real, but like he was he had like a stick and a string and see if he could <laughs> coax one of the fish to uh, bite on his line. Uh, it really did look like that. And so it was a fun set. Oh yeah, Eric and Adam and uh, I mean they were all really nice and it's 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 not an easy show to shoot as you can see. There's a lot of stuff to do and they are um with the guns and the packs and it's not easy and for everyone to be in such good spirits all the time and working, you know, friendly together, uh, it shows how, how good guys they are. That's interesting to hear cuz sometimes when you watch these shows you you wonder what everything's like off camera if everyone's if everyone's kind of cool with each other and if it's fun because if it's fun it makes a good show yeah and you can kind of tell if if that is i think you somewhat tension um but that's good to know because this is such a great show that it was a fun set i have been on a lot of shows that are not like this (laughs) (laughs) and uh this one was not like this you know everybody is in a great mood and i mean these are you know, all shows take lots and lots of long days of, you know, t- 8, 10, 12, 14 hours. But this one, I think, has even longer hours because of all of the 
very technical military mm-hmm. things. Everything that you see on this show that has to do with military procedure is absolutely precise. There's a, uh, I believe he's a Navy uh, guy on set who is always making sure that everything's very... Michael Bay is, is famous for having military people who are just keeping everything absolutely uh, accurate. So that takes that takes a long time. And so for the day to be that long, uh, people kind of have to like each other. How you know? long did it take for you guys yeah. to film this episode? Or uh, I think I worked four days on it. But they, but they must have. They all, all these shows. They can. They have to shoot them all in eight days. Yeah. If they want to stay on schedule, right? And uh, I'm pretty sure this uh, this stayed on schedule, as far as I know. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, you know, hour long shows they usually have to stay within, like you said, eight hours. But it's not a mini action movie that we're getting every yeah. week. Mm-hmm. A very simple thing is that if you shoot a TV show, like say Devious Maids on the show Devious Maids. It's all lo- mostly on these uh, uh, sound stages. Right. So you move from one stage to the next, and we're all basically in the same location. But this thing, it's like they're on this destroyer, <laughs> yeah. and then they're in Arcadia, and mm-hmm. then they're you know it's it's a hard it's a hard bunch of moves, and uh, it's a testament to the crew and the actors that uh, everybody stays focused and does a good job. And it was pretty close. I think they shot some of the last stuff of this episode last in the season. And uh, I remember Eric sort of did a speech to the crew telling them just how great they were and how we all stuck together. And, uh, and it was true. Everybody really, you could see that everybody really likes each other. And that shows up when those guys are communicating with each other about what should we do. Yep. You know, uh, you could tell that they're they're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And let's get into a little bit of, of this episode because it start. well, we'll skip into kind of when they go into they follow through the river and they pass the boat on El Toro. It's Slattery, Chandler, Danny, Burke, and Gator. Gator. My accent. And they're going round into the back and they stop after they see El Toro. But don't they think that it's a boat that where all the sick people were? They 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 uh, they don't know what to make of it, but mm-hmm. when the guy suggests that they mount the boat to find out what's going on, he says absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So he assumes it's sick people who yep. and the ship just uh, um, crashed as a result of people getting sick. And we find out that the people that El Toro has his village or his people they they are the only people that have they've escaped and they've got past the virus. They're safe, they're, they're clean, they're, they're healthy, and they don't have the virus. But they're very smart because they have traps for around their camp area. So when people come in, they know because people, they get hurt, which happened to Gator. He stepped on, it looked to me, uh, Almost like, like a bear trap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like a snap, yeah. And it snapped on his leg. On his leg his and calf muscle. And once again, it just, this show is just so great because when it was pulled out, it was oh. so, it's just, it's gross. I but, like when Chandler said, I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but another reason why we love him because he's straightforward. <laughs> yeah. And there's not many captains that you see that lead the way, that lead the pack. And it might be different in the Navy, but in war and in countries, it's never the president or the leader that is actually leading people into the war. But that's what Chandler's doing. He's taking it. He sent Rachel back. He said, no, this isn't safe for you. We're going in. They went in and they quickly realize that something's not quite right, that something's not quite right here and it's probably going to be trouble. And that's when... Everything comes together. Your character is introduced really when it goes into the dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when, I mean, this was a very intense scene, a very intense scene. We have Eltor at the head of the table, and Eltor and Chandler had already had a head to head. They'd already had a disagreement. You can see Slattery in the back shaking his head, not agreeing with anything that's being said. So when we get to the when we get to the dinner, it's just a very interesting scenario. Obviously, Erwin is very is petrified. I mean, he looks to be shaking. And we realize that it's his daughter that is catering on the table. And as soon as the connection comes into play that it's your daughter, it sparked into my head that this isn't right. Is that what you guys thought? Yeah, and it also makes sense that he's acting how he's acting, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's ashamed. He feels defeated. But there's nothing he can do. Yeah. You know, he and El Toro is using your daughters and other girls for his pleasure and his service. 
and they're they're living almost like slaves, yeah. like they mentioned. Yeah, they are. They're catching fish for him. They're cleaning and fixing for him. And uh, one of the things I'm terrified of is that these navy men have now showed up, mm-hmm. and as bad as things are, um, the status quo is being disturbed. And this could be bad news for all of us because at least we're alive. Mm-hmm. My argument in the scene is that we're safe from the virus. We're alive and uh, everything else we're going to have to put up with for now. How is your character dealing with? Because obviously your daughters were being abused sexually yeah. by him. How is your character trying to deal with this? I mean, <laughs> the way I just saw it is that I am responsible for all these people. My family, of course, but all of these people because I'm the former mayor of this village. Mm -hmm. And I've made some sort of bargain with El Toro, which I don't... Obviously, he's got all the cards, but um, I'm the one who represents them. And so as long as we can keep El Toro happy... uh, Everybody can be safe. And I, I, I was just thinking that... Even this, even El Toro uh, sexually abusing my daughter is uh, somehow there's a justification of as le- at least mm-hmm. she's alive, and uh, that sounds like a terrible thing to say. But in that really harsh situation, you kind of have to prioritize, mm-hmm. you know, because if you stand up, obviously he has guards, he has guns, he has everything. He's either give it to him or he kills you and. Still gets it. Mm-hmm. Still gets it. Still takes it. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And that happens, right? When Karina stands up for herself and she calls him a pig during the dinner, they just put her on a boat and send her across the river yeah. to the sick people. Even when I stand up and get her under yeah. control and, and beg right. his forgiveness, to... she still does it. So I think yeah. that the, I think Chandler and Slattery show up at a time when um, Delgado is at a place where he's been holding everything just steady and now all this happens and you see that it it was a waste. Why did I why did I uh, um, go along with everything El Toro said when he was still going to kill my daughter, he was still going to take my other daughter it's time to do something about this, you know. So definitely, I mean, and that's when, the key height of drama when drama mm-hmm. gets when you find a situation that it's at its worst and it can only go one way or another. You know, that's what makes a good episode. Yeah, completely. And and you're right. It, the Navy kind of and Chandler and especially Slattery. Slattery was the mm-hmm. one that was really picking at him and saying things and Chandler had to say Mike stop because he was making it worse and I think that was making your daughter think he's right I shouldn't stand up for this and 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 they were rocking the boat and allowing her to realize that this isn't okay yeah and this is not what should be happening you know right I mean I think the I, I didn't even feel like the badness came in at the dinner table I felt uneasy immediately when the whole thing with the Mason's leg, when it, when they attacked his mm-hmm. leg, and then they said, we have the antidote. We are the only ones that can save him. It, right there, they just said, we have the power. From the very beginning of when we meet El Toro or the, all those people in that village, I immediately was like, oh, this is, this is going to be an issue. They took their weapons. They're already saying, we have the power to save one of your own, and you either come along with us or we kill you right here and there. You know, like, if they could have... they. We didn't even have to know more of the story, but El Toro wanted them to see. I'm in control. Look at how I'm manipulating everyone. Yeah. Everyone is at my feet, including the mayor. You know, it's just so terrible to see at that point that if the mayor feels the need, like you just said, that you have to find the silver lining. That is my daughter, but at least we're alive. And for you to be able to express not just being terrified, but like you said, like ashamed as a father, like you were able to express all of those emotions sit, just sitting there at the dinner table mm-hmm. when you were looking down. I felt all those things. I didn't think you were just scared. You were just kind of like, I, I can't believe I have to do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I really like that you mentioned that when the Navy came in, they were interrupting. Yeah. Because we don't see that way, right? We see, oh, they're coming. They're going to save everyone. But in your mindset, they were intruding. And it, it could be a bad thing, right? Because in our heads, we're like, oh, this is great. They're going to save the people. We don't see the other side, which is your side yeah. as as the mayor, that, you know what, this could be actually trouble for us they and say, not that, help us. There's that saying, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. It's like <laughs> these guys show up. I don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. by them showing up. Right now, this thing is pretty bad, but at least I know what kind of bad it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen when these guys start, 
you know, messing things around. And you say about El Toro, the actor who plays El Toro in this episode is a guy named Jose Zuniga. Zuniga. Who, uh, he and I have worked together a couple times before this and we're really good friends and he's just wonderful in the episode. He's so, uh. I agree. Uh, he doesn't play it like, uh, he plays it with a lot of smile and a lot of charm and you can see that he's enjoying himself and that, uh, that's not an easy role to play either. Mm-hmm. You can easily mm-hmm. get really tired of a character like that very mm-hmm. quickly, but right. he didn't do that and, uh, uh, that shows what a good actor he is. He and I are both, you know, we're both Latino t- actors in Los Angeles. So sometimes he's the drug lord. Sometimes I'm the drug lord. Sometimes he gets killed. Sometimes I get killed. But uh, this time you I to came out him. on top. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe that you came out, your character came out better in this episode? Or you wish it had stayed the way it was? Because your daughter did end up dying. But then in some respect, it's relieving her of the pain that yeah. she was going through. I think we are better off, and I'm better off, but I think we paid a very high price mm-hmm. for it. Definitely. A very high price. Um, I don't think there's any question about it. I think um, these things had to change because eventually El Toro would just use up with these people and kill them all and move someplace else. Or, right. you know, it's just... He was never going to do anything other than that. It was like, it, whatever it was, it was a convenient thing for him. Yeah. It's just in the, whatever in the moment is convenient, he was going to do it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's has, he has a sexual relationship with my one daughter. He gets angrier, sends her off, and then just takes the other daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when it becomes obvious that there's, there, there's no point to, mm-hmm. to try to protect all this. He right. is going to do what he wants, and he has to be taken down. You know? Yeah. But uh, we wouldn't have been able to do it without... Uh, uh, the boys in blue rushing in on their, <laughs> on their boat. Definitely. And once, and there was some kind of, um, well, an interaction went on where they bargained and El Toro got angry because Chandler wasn't straightforward with him. He didn't <clears throat> tell him what he was there for, which who blames him? Everyone else that he's gone in and said, if he'd have gone in and said, yeah, well, we're here to get the monkeys so we can try and get the vaccine because it's promising. I mean, they would want it. Exactly. And they want, they would want to capture him, but, El Toro was somewhat understanding. Mm-hmm. I had, I didn't think he was going to react like that at all. But I think there's more to it, and I think we're going to find that out in, in coming episodes. But he gives them the monkeys. They get the monkeys. They put the monkeys on the boat. Um, that final scene before they leave to get back on the boat, they see your daughter being taken and put put on the boat. And... Slattery is the one that is really disturbed by this. And he ends up getting punched. Him and Danny get an altercation with El Toro and his men. Um, Slattery gets punched. He's bleeding. Or it's with the gun. With the gun. With the gun. Um, both of us catch that, that, uh, that thing. We both get a gun, a butt, butt of the gun. Well, exactly. Then when that happens, then you get, um, your character gets beaten up by El Toro and his people and I mean it's just such a terrible I mean that was such a heart-wrenching moment when your daughter is being taken away and you're being hit by the guns by the butt of the guns and there's nothing that any of them can do because El Toro and his men are the ones that are armed Mm -hmm. and I mean this was probably one of my favorite scene well I feel terrible saying that but for action wise it was one of my the most favorite one of my favorite scenes of the of the episode just because it it, there was it was helpless I mean there was nothing that the US Navy or you and your family could do and they made that they made that very clear and I think that the, that scene is what makes the next scene when they've gotten their boat they've gotten their monkeys they're off they're safe they can just go and they've done their mission and they decide to just stop and they, mm-hmm. and they we're going to go back. That's that's what makes that such an exciting scene yeah. because you know the when he says we can't leave those people like that, it's not just rhetoric. We saw how, how horrible it is for these mm-hmm. people. And it means something when they decide to come back and when they show up in the shadows. And, and this was that. the first time that we actually saw Slattery being a good person yeah, and completely. being emotional because you know up to this point we don't we haven't liked him very much <laughs> no i thought he was the bad guy hands up i yeah. thought slattery was the bad guy and in this episode i couldn't believe that he was the one he was the one that said we have to go back because he's a yeah. father he said i mm-hmm. have a daughter you have a daughter you know this is not right you know we have to do something because he knows that they are hopeless yeah you know, they, they couldn't do anything. They, they didn't have any training for fighting. Um, 
They, no weapons. They had nothing. no weapons. And once How they crazy. leave, nobody yeah. is going to come back. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. There's, no, there's nobody left. If they leave, there's no one left mm-hmm. to, to, to do anything about it. So. Right. And I think it was that point when Slattery said, we have, we both have children, whatever the exact words were, words were, that every single person watching that, whether you have a child or not, but especially if you have children, your heart just sinks and makes mm-hmm. you feel for them. And whether they have weapons or not, they have to go back and they have to do what they can. They came to hunt. Those were the words. They came Mm -hmm. to hunt and they go back and I thought they were crazy. What do you guys think? They were going back without weapons. That was amazing. I absolutely loved the way it was shot and the way it was portrayed for us to see. Like, the minute that they start to go hunt, you see... Eric Dane slowly come into the shadow with the bushes. Like, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. It is that dark. That's how they have to do it. They have to creep into this village to help everyone. And I thought it was shot great. And I thought it was portrayed well. Because sometimes you can shoot something well, but if you don't show it well to the audience, Mm -hmm. it doesn't come across. It was done very well. I love the way that they were able to slowly take down everyone and i liked how they mentioned i counted these many guards over here i kind of they already knew what they were going into they're training they're trained you know Mm -hmm. and i love that i hope that if this ever happens i do hope that the u.s navy would do something like that (laughs) in real you know i hope Mm -hmm. that they would go back and save people in nicaragua or costa rica or anywhere like that's just what we hope they would do but i just i i really loved the way it was shot I thought it definitely, definitely made a big impact. And they gave the good sense that the like in order for them to be successful in this little mission at night is the first thing they have to do is kill people who have guns so that they can get guns. Yeah. So they have nothing to you know they're yeah. they're just going in there completely with nothing and uh, uh, that was shot really well and I, you believe it all you believe that yeah. those guys could actually yes. do that. Yeah. yeah, I was actually wondering if they were going to kill people because they you know they they're trained. To not necessarily just kill someone, you know? So I was wondering, are they going to grab everyone, keep them as prisoners? But they started killing them. And I was like, this is exactly what would happen in the real world. They would start to put aside their, you know, duties as part of Mm -hmm. the U.S. Navy and have to really become people, normal people in this situation of survival. You know, so I thought... That was great, too. I was glad that they didn't just take everyone and keep them as prisoners or something. Yes, kill them. Take those guns. Cool. (laughs) And Foster's... uh, Sorry, Danny's moves. Those were the ones that stood out to me. I mean, the neck snapping, the back breaking, and the sound effects. It was insane. I couldn't... Go to sleep. Go to sleep. That's what I did. Right? Yeah. And I also loved in this in this scene when they snuck past the old lady. Oh, yeah. She's kind of looking down and she looks up and and they're saying shh, and and she's like, uh, what am I supposed to do right now? And they kind of just sneak past her. <laughs> it's like, what would you do in that situation? She's like, you go. Praying it works. She's just <laughs> praying it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, Alex, how was shooting these action scenes? You know, you had you got beat up. And then you got to kill somebody. There's some. It's all. It's all so much fun. <laughs> it sounds. It's as much fun as it sounds like. But it takes. That's what I mean about this type of thing taking a long time because those things have to be. The camera angles have to be just right, and we have to work everything out. And uh, um, it's so much fun to, to fight and and to be beaten up and to stab somebody. It's just. Uh, uh, Did you have any training? Yeah, Before. I've done. I've, I've I've been at this for a long time, so <laughs> I get beat up a lot and I beat people up a lot. Remember, he's a drug lord. That's oh, right. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Drug We're lord. Hispanics. We get things wrong here. <laughs> but because you in the in the stabbing scene, because that's what this this scene builds up to. I mean, um, Slattery Chandler and Danny go into this full force. They pass. Um, it was one of your daughters in in yeah, the bed. When they, when they um, go in, yeah. And they sneak through that. They find out where El Toro is. And it all builds up to this big scene. And you think that I thought they were going to shoot El Toro. And that was going to be it. But then you pop out of nowhere and stab him in the back. How was that to shoot? Because a stabbing scene to me, I mean, I feel like it's definitely all about the camera angles. And getting everything just right. But how does a scene like that come up, like, work? Well, there was, I, I, I wish I could remember his name, but there was a Navy um, uh, consultant on the set who literally said, like, 
well, this is how I stab people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, wow. So, so we had, uh, so we said, all right, that's what it's going to be. And it really helped a lot. As I mentioned, the, the actor playing El Toro, Jose, he and I know each other. So, and we're friends. And it makes it really easy because he knows he can trust me and I know I can trust him. And so I can really just <laughs> dig in. And he really, we, we were like, you know, uh, very much in sync. And, mm-hmm. Um, he's got this big speech at the moment. He's sort of like shouting out, "Yeah, take me away! I'll live in I'll live in your ship. I'll be so happy," you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's sort of just exposing himself like this, and I come up around, and so it's it's uh, it's all has to do with like working out all the timing and everything. But ultimately, then it's just building up the you know the idea of how many months of torture we've been put up with, right, right. and then I'm finally going to strike back. It was your um, moment to shine. Yeah, my moment to shine and the moment for the blood on the knife to shine. <laughs> when you say dig in, that actually makes it sound like you stabbed yeah. Altaro. So I've got this, uh, so we've got uh, two knives, you know, we've got mm-hmm. this, you know, rubber knife and then we've got the real one. So the first one is I'm coming in with this rubber knife and I'm flipping it just at the last second to really make it look like I'm just digging mm-hmm. right up into his kidney here and then whipping it out. And then I f- pause and then they pause the, he falls out they pause the camera a guy comes in takes that knife out of my hand puts the real one in <laughs> with the blood dripping so that all the it all matches in the shots mm-hmm. and uh that's how they do the magic and that's how it's done wow it's cool to know it's yeah. because when you're watching you don't think of how it's been put together you're so lost in the story and lost in what is happening but when we actually sit down with you it's really interesting to learn how this happens that's why it's important to take all that time so that you never think about it mm-hmm. you just you're just involved in the story that you were talking about the the scene at dinner when mm-hmm. it's all of us sitting at the dinner table whenever you shoot i shoot a lot of tv shows and a lot of times it's scenes around a table those are the ones that take the longest to shoot because you're at a table and there's four people at the table which means the camera has to be here to shoot this guy then it has to be here to shoot this guy then it has to be here to shoot this guy. Then it has to be here to shoot this guy. Then it has to be here to catch Karina walking around the table. It takes a long, long time. And so, uh, but when you when you take that kind of care, then you can cut together like the editors did here, a seamless scene where you're not uh, thinking about where the camera is. You're just emotionally involved in mm-hmm. it. And as you say, they can they can just cut to a look on my face and we get the whole story without having to have all this expositional dialogue explaining anything, you know. So um, it takes a long time, but when it's done well like this, it's really worth it. Yeah, definitely. It it really is done well, and that's what we love most about this this show. The fact that the... I mean, it is. Like you said, Monsi, it's, it's like mini-movie every week. Yeah. Is that somewhat how it felt when you were on set? Did you feel like... Oh, yeah. It is? Yeah, it felt... It, a lot. Like I said, a lot of TV shows are are um, kind of by rote and they have a lot of sound stages and we go in and we do this but this one really did feel like more like a feature film it's still on the television pace Mm -hmm. but in terms of the detail it really felt like a feature film uh, shoot and then we're out on location in that jungle it really looked like a jungle (laughs) you know we're wearing the real clothes and it uh, it was very exciting I really enjoyed working on this you did How, how did you prepare for the role do you have a routine you like to do no, it all depends on the different characters. This guy seemed, this character really sort of came easy to me and I sort of just got out of the way and let it happen. Um, and I worked a lot on uh, uh, just the relationship to my daughters. To mm-hmm. I don't have daughters of my own, so I, I'm just sort of imagining how important that would be to me and then you just um, you just let everything else work <laughs> because if you know that's, what you're, that's what's driving you, then you can imagine what you would do if you were in that situation. And the shame you would feel and the anger you would feel and the need to do something about it. So it's it's well written and uh, um, when it's well written, it's much, much easier. <laughs> That's interesting that you say the role came easy to you because you don't have children and you think mm-hmm. you would think that that would make it somewhat harder for you to get into the role. Mm-hmm. When you were when you were really inside in the role, did you believe that? that these well obviously you b- believed that they were your children but how isn't it an interesting feeling knowing that you it's it's all I understand it's the whole basic <laughs> acting stuff yeah. is that it's it's all imaginary mm-hmm. so how even if you have daughters these are not your daughters and your daughters are not in that situation but uh so you're still going to make a, a leap of imagination at some point or another but 
the the young lady played my daughter. She actually, I'm Cuban from Miami, and she was Cuban from Miami, so that we had this connection right away. And uh, I could, you know, she was very nice and very young and pretty, and she's out here with you know all this life ahead of her. And I just think like, you know, um, Karina has this whole life ahead of her, and it gets and and instead of living the life she should be living, she's living as a sex slave to this to this horrible man that I have, you know, been helping, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't take that much uh, when it's a situation put together that well. It doesn't take that much if you're able to just sort of let yourself uh, believe in the in the imaginary circumstance that to to get there. You know. Now, did you think Karina's character looked down on you because oh, of yeah. what was happening? Yeah, I think I think basically what got her killed is that she's not like me, where she she's practical and keeps her mouth shut and just goes along with the program. She. It was a little head headstrong, and that's basically what got her killed. That she she saw her opportunity. Chandler and Slattery were there. That means that the saviors may be here. So instead of pretending like everything's fine, let me speak out now, and these guys will do something about it. But she's young, and she doesn't understand uh, the reality of the situation, and it got her killed. It was very. But courageous. then she kind of sacrificed. Yeah. And you think about it, it's her doing that is kind of sacrificed herself, but in a way sort of saved the village because it pushed all the events forward, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think by that time, obviously they didn't like El Toro and they thought there was something wrong, but I was, I don't think they were absolutely sure what was going on in the village and the situation that they were living. I knew that they think, okay, well, they are, ca- they are getting us food and whatever we need to survive. And they give us the, the infrastructure and um, safety But I think at that moment when she stands up and they realize that they're using these girls, you know, they're they're literally they're sex slaves and they do whatever they want. They're like, okay, this is really messed up. Yeah. And was it Slattery or Chandler that said um, that everyone else isn't living with the the covers over their head? They're in the the jungle living in small little tents. El Toro's living large and living life and a life of luxury compared with how everyone else is living. And I think all these things were just ticking in her mind and realizing that I'm being abused and taken care of. And I don't think she understood where you were coming from because that's a, a she's how how old what did it say how old she was she, she, she was she's very young she's 13 yeah. yeah so she's young she has an immature mind she doesn't understand the idea of where you're coming from yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like i've got a great yeah. a great argument but she doesn't but yeah, you know, she just, yeah yeah definitely yeah. um So to go back, well, through this episode, we saw a lot of Rachel and Tex really getting to know each other more and somewhat developing their relationship. We first see them on the boat. They get, um, they get taken back to the ship because it's not safe. Chandler says, you have to go back. It's not safe for you to be around here. We don't want you obviously to get infected. And it keeps coming back to the ship. Obviously, Rachel, She has that gut instinct that something wrong has happened. And she was right. Um, everything wasn't going to plan. Yes, they got back safe, but something wasn't, it wasn't going right and they were in danger. Um, but we get to see this interesting connection between Tex and Rachel developing. Right. Because Tex has been going after Rachel for a <laughs> few episodes now, making very, smart comments you know about how great she is and how she's not in the navy so she can have a relationship if she wants <laughs> right and but she's always being the very tough and um you know even like me and straightforward with him and this was the first episode that she actually shows some interest definitely and we get a little bit kind of a different side of text yes it's not that brash i just redneck yeah exactly and i just want to kind of be with you yeah um because there's no one else on this ship that i can really be with that's going for me Mm -hmm. it's more the gentle side of him yeah and when they sit down and they're eating you really well he open he gets rachel to open up and Mm -hmm. and we find out that her i don't know if i should say significant other because it's not really but he is a musician? A, jur- journalist. a journalist. That, that was travels it. A, lot. Mm-hmm. a journalist that travels a lot. So that's why we know, we now know that he comes in every couple months because he's traveling for his job. So it, d- it didn't 
we realize now that it's not as black and white as when Quincy said it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they, you know, Tex got her to open up in his using his emotional side, right? He was talking a little bit of philosophy. And right at the beginning of the episode, I even wrote it down, he said, you underestimate people's capacity for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Because she said, I don't go upstairs to eat with everyone because they all hate me. Mm-hmm. Because I lied to them. And he, I think he said that to her and it kind of hit home. You know, he said, I think you're the one who are not forgiving yourself. And that was the point when she felt, you know what, this guy's not such a idiot. You know, (laughs) he's he's nice and he's right. I think it hits home to her and she finally realized that the problem is not other people hating her, it's her not forgiving herself. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's great to see the relationship. I I, I liked where it's going. You know, I think it's a little odd and it kind of changes the cards because we're always talking about um, Chandler and Rachel. Right. Yes, I know. I wish Bobby was here because Bobby would be <laughs> so on this topic. Bobby's always like, they're going to get together. He always <laughs> thought that Rachel and Chandler were going to end up getting together. And now seeing that, I think is great. I don't want the, I don't want Chandler and Scott and Dr. Scott together. No, he's a family. He's an out. Let's wait until we know about the family. But I'm glad that this love story is evolving whether it might not even be a love story they might just be friends but it makes me happy that it didn't go with what we were all expecting it to go to mm-hmm. which was Chandler and Dr. Scott so yeah I'm I don't buy that two percent body fat though but whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah Hollywood's full of lies <laughs> did you get to work with um that group that was on the boat at all no I only worked with uh, Chandler Slattery and um, the other guys, so that we were, it was just the stuff in the on the in the village, in the, village. the guys who actually made it because they sent the other boat back. Yeah, because at first they went to the front part of the island where they thought that's where Rachel thought that um, the monkeys were going to be. She thought that was the, the that's where opening. the reserve was. Yeah, was, the yeah. opening to the reserve. So she thought that they could get in that way, but they come across. Um, this oh, this is a <laughs> freaky scene too because they come across a lot. Uh, these people are kind of zombie like. They they very they look starved. Were they sick? Yeah, they definitely yeah. have the virus. Do you think they have the virus? I, I don't know so. because at the beginning of the show or like the very first episode, don't they die within two days? Yeah, two three days. Um, I don't think those people have only been there two three days. Exactly. I, I thought that they were definitely sick. Something is up, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it, I I don't know if I believe that it's the same virus that's going well, around the world. I don't know if it, it was clear, um, but when they first arrive on that side mm-hmm. and the woman comes out of the out of the jungle. She's carrying a baby, and she's telling help, help, help us. And then when they're leaving, they see the people on the beach, and that lady is there, but her baby's not there. Right, so I didn't notice. Like, oh. Yeah, I didn't notice. So her baby has died, and that's the last thing they're seeing is uh, that um, they may have done something to help this other side, so, but then these people, right. there's nothing they can do. Yeah, and that was an interesting thing for me. Who knows how many times El Toro just sends people over there, right, and then they, exactly. you know, right? That, right. They could have been. They from, could have just been a couple days. Village. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they just got sent over every yeah. time that they might, you know, made them mad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was interesting that they chose to help the people in your village. They didn't want to. Not that they didn't want to help, but they didn't think that these people at the start at the at the front of the island was safe and they didn't believe that not that it was worth their time but they didn't even when they they came out at the end and they're all on the beach walking into the water i mean again it's like a pulls on your heartstrings that these people just want help but they didn't stop for them and they kept on mission when they saw these people at the start. I mean, really what were they supposed to do? You know, in their mind, these people were sick. Mm -hmm. They can't risk for anybody in their team to get sick or get the virus or even worse, bring the virus to the ship. The best thing to do is to get the monkeys back to the ship yeah. and try to start to find out if there's an answer to the virus. That's one of the reasons I like this show is because it's very, to me, it's very much like Star Trek <laughs> where they go from place to place and they have a certain mission that has to do with one specific thing and they have sort of, like they say in Star Trek, a prime directive, which is they don't get involved in the lives of the people they go to. Uh, but in this case, they're forced. They can't walk away with that kind of injustice happening and, and without doing something about it. And so 
Um, I, I that's I, I when I first read the script, I said, "Oh man, this is like Star Trek." This is awesome. <laughs> it really is. Now that you said it, yeah. <laughs> but I agree. I don't think it was ever an option of going to save them. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just what I really liked about that is that they just felt so good about helping your village and your people, mm-hmm. and they're going home. They feel good about it. And then all of a sudden, they have to see this one last time. It's heartbreaking. Really? Like, that is to that I didn't even think about, you can't help them, no. You didn't yeah. have anything to really realistically help them. You have to go get the virus and then eventually come back. I just really liked how it went from this feeling of really good, we just did the best possible thing for these people. We feel good, let's go back to our people, and then it hits Reality. home again. Yeah. Exactly. That was, I loved the way we saw that. And they were just staring at them, like... And did you see? Chandler didn't even look. He just kept looking straight. He knew that they were there. But it's like, what What, what was he going to look for? Yeah. But they they were all just there, watching them sail away. That's the good writing. They, yeah. they give Excellent. us this big heroic finish, and we get supposed to feel good about it. And then the, the sort of the denouement, as they yeah. say, yeah. is that uh, these re- the, the world is still in a terrible, terrible state. Yeah. And these people that we're looking at right now are terribly sick and there's nothing we can do to help them right yet. So. Yeah, it's a smack yeah. down to earth in reality. So you do enjoy watching the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh um like I say it's 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 exciting a lot of shows that are these sort of like there's an ongoing story but they're also kind of standalone. So you can watch an episode and even if you haven't followed other things you can get into a very interesting story that follows this you can catch up pretty quick. And uh, uh, it's exciting, and there's they're good actors and good writing, so it's yeah, I do very much. Is it like that with every show that you've done? You've enjoyed watching because I can't. Let's it, say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that shows the idea and the way that this has been directed, produced, filmed, everything. It show when the actors actually want and enjoy watching. I feel like that must say a lot for the show. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because a lot of you know sometimes you do a show and you maybe don't even get around to watching it. You know? Right. Uh, but uh, this was is exciting, and it was, and we knew a lot of detail that went into it. Paul Holohan, who directed this episode, I've worked on on two other shows uh, before this, and so I was looking forward to seeing. It. I knew it was going to be good, and I was right; it was good. Yeah, and that's why the viewership keeps staying at a constant. I think it's like seven point two million per episode on cable. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And it just keeps staying there and people keep wanting to tune in. I mean, the show has got such a big roar around it. People are loving watching it. Yeah. They really are. It's a really great show. It I really have, is. Yeah. There hasn't been one episode that I'm like, eh, it was so-so. Like every episode, I'm like, this is so great. It really is like watching an action film every time. I just like that I feel like it's not an hour, that it goes by yeah. very quickly. That's when I know if it's a very entertaining episode hours can take a little long i love that by the end of it i'm like oh my goodness it's already over and we like we've been mentioning you've done a lot of stuff you've been a bad guy again drug dealer you've been funny you know devious mates you're kind of like a comedic relief on that but you kind of have a a passion for theater yes yes you you direct a theater company don't you not the company i'm a director at the company you're a director at the company what's the name of the company it's called pacific resident theater in venice where you yes we're just talking about it yeah i want to go check it out oh we should definitely go we just had a uh, production of that i directed of uh, shakespeare's henry v which uh, ran for five months there which is very unusual here in los angeles to sold out houses we just uh, closed it uh yesterday and uh, this morning, uh, we loaded in the set for the next play, which is this uh, crazy West Virginia comedy called, uh, uh, it's a series of comedies called Out There on Fried Meat Ridge Road. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've been doing those for a couple of years, and, the, and they're kind of like a cult, it's sort of like a cult hit uh, comedy show. And uh, this next episode is called uh, Fried Meat 3, The Unfriable Meatness of Being. Oh my god, that is so great! I got meat. From wow, yeah. <laughs> meat in that state. I'm, I'm not sure. It sounds these are wonderful. plays. I'm, I'm telling you, these, these plays have been such crazy hits. People come see them sometimes four or five. There's a lady who's seen him 25 times. Wow. There's one guy. I'm not kidding. He saw the original play 50 times. Good for you. 50 times. That just now, normally, that- I'd want that person institutionalized, <laughs> but in my case, I'm like, very yes. happy that yeah, he's that there. Yeah, that just shows how great these these pieces are that you're directing. I mean, these are great shows that you are putting on, obviously, for someone to come 50 times. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Unless he's unstable, I think that, that says that we're doing good stuff. 
And uh, like I said, the Henry V was, we got, you know, a lot of great uh, reviews and accolades and uh, and these shows. It's kind of different because Henry V is, you know, Shakespeare and this one is not Shakespeare, but it's, uh, um, the fans just love it and we just love doing it. So, so is directing kind of like your day job? <laughs> no, actually, my, my acting on television is kind of my day job. <laughs> That's what pays the bills. And then I, sp- I spend all my time in the theater directing plays, which is what I kind of love doing. And I love acting them in, the, in them as well. But uh, uh, I'm very fortunate that I work a great deal in television. And uh, it subsidizes my addiction to the theater. <laughs> Definitely. You're from Miami and you've done shows such as CIS Miami and then you moved over to NCIS Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. What, um, with these shows you've done Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, and then it goes over to things like Family Guy that you've done voiceover <laughs> for. Yeah. How do you adapt and kind of enjoy both beings? Do you have to put a different head on to do <laughs> such a funny voiceover for such a great show? No, I mean, when you go record Family Guy, you record often, at least I did, with Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm doing my character in the scene, and he's playing everybody else in the scene. It's amazing. And wow. he does Stewie, and he does uh, what's the father's name? I can't remember. Peter. So, Peter, and he's do he's he talks to you. Hi, I'm Seth. We just talk, and then he does these characters, and uh, I mean, there's it's it's so much fun, and so, you know, it, it's it's I've been doing voiceover for a long time, so it's kind of like. Uh, I'm I'm I've got the right mindset where you just you know you're only going to use your voice so uh uh it's a new it's a it's an interesting challenge but it's a lot of fun and uh uh family guys just I've only done a couple of them but and I did an American dad but uh um man <laughs> that was really fun to to work with Seth MacFarlane cuz he just goes off I bet. You, and you also do video games. I mean, you, he does it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just look him up. He does it all. You'll find him on something yeah. you love. Yeah. Even video games. I was out on the corner here playing the guitar when you guys found me. <laughs> <laughs> Is video games something you enjoy or you just kind of fell into because of the voiceover? When I first got to L.A. Uh, in, in uh, 19... <laughs> I... Uh, I, uh, I, I started out in voiceover and I did a lot of animation and video games and uh, I always played it was all these action video games like Call of Duty and stuff and, and I'm always the guy who like gets shot and so this <laughs> it's, you show up at 9 o'clock in the morning and you have a cup of coffee hi everybody you put on your headphones are you ready okay let's go <laughs> you know so I was really good at doing that so uh, but I've done a lot I've I've done a lot. I've done a lot of different stuff. I don't I haven't done a lot of video games lately because I've fortunately been really busy on television. Uh, but um, I'm always open because they are fun. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Would you say theater? Maybe it's your favorite. Yeah, I think so. But that pays. <laughs> <laughs> that, that pays, pays by far the least. <laughs> yes, the cup of yeah. coffee. The cup of coffee you need to get to your day to your day television. But I don't mean to like denigrate television because I really have gotten a great deal of. Uh, I, I enjoy the people that I work with, and I was on this great series that was on ABC this year called Killer Women. That um, was just an amazing experience, and it's led to a lot of uh, continued work for me. And uh, I've been fortunate that, for the most part, I've been on sets with people who are good people, who like to work, who like to get along. And uh, that's that's you know we have we hear all the horror stories, but the fact is, like seventy, eighty percent of the time, it's everybody's cool. You know, everybody knows. Man, I got a really good job here. <laughs> I'm just gonna kick back and enjoy it. I'm not gonna make you know. Uh, so I'm just, I just think I'm really lucky. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Well, unless you guys have any more questions, we have a, do have a little bit of incredible news for the yes. last ship. After Buzz yeah. TV News. So the last ship has been renewed for 13 more episodes. This season's 10 episodes. So season two is going to be 13 episodes. What do you guys think we can expect for a season two? Because in my mind, I have a little bit of... Oh, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to play this out. I just hope it's as good as season one. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really worried. You know, the plot is very limited in a way. Um, you know, they're in the ship. They're going around and they're trying to figure out this vaccine. So unless, you know, maybe by the end of this season, they'll have a vaccine. And then next season, they'll be, you know, inland. Mm-hmm. So that would be very different. And I think that would be a good a good way to go. But if it, if they have too many seasons of just the same thing, of being on a boat and trying to survive, it, it might get a little boring and repetitive. 
So I just hope, I'm, I'm sure they will because the writing is so amazing. They'll come up with something that is going to be very exciting and um, blow our minds. Well, the guy Hank Seinberg, like I said, he ran without a trace and that went for like seven years. Exactly. He figured out how to keep telling that story and keep it fresh. Yep. It was procedural, granted, but I feel like, I keep going back to the Star Trek thing, but every time they land someplace else, that changes the whole, that can change everything. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen wherever they happen to get off the ship, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. I, gonna, I can't predict what's going to happen in the second season. I can barely predict what's going to happen next week. So, <laughs> and you we, saw the trailer. Exactly, yeah. I can barely predict that. So when the season one finale airs, I'll tell you what I think might happen <laughs> in the second season. I, I agree, though. I think it could keep going. It's just... They just have to be smart about it. Mm-hmm. But any shows that I've seen that I'm just like, how could this keep going? Movies, how could this keep going? And it does. And they do. So this is going real well. I don't see why it wouldn't succeed for another second season. But I'm looking forward to it. Are we going to see you again? Can you tell us? Me? Yeah. Well, well you nobody's be- told me. <laughs> If I knew, I would tell you, but nobody oh, said I'll anything write, to me. I'll write a letter. I'll make it happen. We'll, we'll, make, <laughs> it right. happen. we'll make it happen. I got you. I got you. Speaking about predictions, let's get into some predictions for next week. And now, you're after Buzz. <laughs> We're taking off. <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> All right, Alex. Seeing as though you haven't watched next week's episode yet, no. what is your prediction? Well... Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. It's a tough question with this show. <laughs> you never bit. know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, I suspect that there is going to be some kind of um, revelation about things that are happening uh, back home that everybody everybody's trying not to think about. That uh, something's going to come out that's going to affect uh, the dynamic of the people. Uh, on the ship. Hmm. That is a very interesting prediction. And I think that uh, uh, something having to do with this uh, vaccine is going to be um, not so positive. Hmm. He should have gone last. He stole my answer. (laughs) (laughs) I have good vision. I read it all in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) What do you ladies Um, think? I agree. I think they're going to try the vaccines on the monkeys. And it's not going to be just ready. Something's going to go wrong, and they're going to have to figure it out and fix something. So that is one of them. Another one, I think they're going to keep playing a little bit the relationship between Tex and Rachel. I think there even might be a kiss, whether both of them both of them want it or not, or if it's just Tex (laughs) attacking her. Oh, boy. (laughs) But I think there will be some sort of kiss... And um, that's what I had. But I do like the whole going back home because they really didn't mention this last episode, which makes sense for them to, in the next episode, bring it up. Yeah, we only got Chandler recording something Mm -hmm. that he doesn't know if it's even getting back to home. Yeah, I think we're going to see a little bit more of maybe at least Chandler's family. Mm -hmm. Something to give us maybe hope or anything uh, because we really don't know anything of what's happening to mm-hmm. anyone's family that's on the ship. So I, I hope they do tie in a little bit. I think they, uh, I agree, Tex and Rachel, I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. I also, you guys mentioned earlier that, you know, we saw a little bit of the soft side for Mike Slattery. I still think he wants to be in command because uh, if you guys remember in the episode, Tom, uh, Tom uh, Chandler says, I need all my best men with me. And Slattery does not want to go. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. like, that includes you. His face is just like, <sighs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I still expect us to see more development when it comes to how he might eventually try and push Chandler overboard. No pun intended, but, <laughs> but it's true. That's uh, that's what I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see a little bit more of. More of a clash. So we're, you're saying sexual assault, and you're saying mutiny. <laughs> mutiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree That's with you. I think that in this episode, Slattery's been portrayed in a way that kind of makes people maybe warm up to him a bit more. But I think in future episodes, he's he's still going to turn out to be somewhat the bad guy. Um, I think that the monkeys that were given to them, something is not quite right with them. And the vaccine that is then tried on them, I don't think is um, is going to be right. So I think it's going to go wrong. 
I think that is my mobile phone. <laughs> so <laughs> I, like, I apologize about that. It it's, it's the virus calling. It's the virus calling. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I think that the monkeys aren't, so it's not going to work right on them. So then they think that something is wrong with the vaccine, when in essence, I don't think anything is going to be wrong with it. That's my prediction. Yeah. Well, they did show in the end of the episode that something is wrong in the bow, and they're all wearing masks. and Exactly. So yeah. it could so be I, it. Yeah. Anyway, with a ringtone that's kind of going off and telling us to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I really thought that was to say, wrap it up. (laughs) Where can the fans find you in the meantime until they see you next time? Uh, You can see me in uh, out there on Fried Meat Ridge Road at Pacific Resident Theater starting August 15th, starting August 15th and on Devious Maids, which just wrapped, but you can still see it on Lifetime. Awesome. What about you guys? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Monsi you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Rena Brazil. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Charlotte B underscore TV and on my website, ShalottBroadbentTV.com. Thank you guys for watching. Thank, Thank you, you for Alex. coming to join Thank us. Thank you. It's so been great having for having a lot me. of fun. Thank you. And we'll see you guys next week. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.